Hi everyone and a very warm welcome to this very first episode of the Learning Journeys podcast from Lacuna Learning. Uh, my name is Doug McDonald and I am your host. Normally we will be welcoming a guest along to learn a bit about their journey to where they are now, uh, which is where the name the Learning Journeys podcast has come from, and then explore what's current for them just now and what they're wrestling with. The intention is to keep these pretty short, between 20 and 30 minutes normally, and just really to share some of the brilliant people and the conversations that I happen to have with them. As this is the very first episode though, it seemed only fair and helpful that I share a bit about my own learning journey and the thinking behind the podcast. I really don't like the sound of my own voice, um, hence the whole asking the questions and listening to the answers thing. Um, So I decided that it would be much more interesting and much more fun if I brought in a guest host. And I'm delighted to be joined by the wonderful Liz Birkinshaw, Uh, who is going to help me today. Thanks, Liz. Hi, Doug. Great to be here. So in a minute, I'm going to hand over to Liz as the guest host today. But for those of you who aren't familiar with her, Liz is a learning and development professional doing lots of amazing work around creativity, innovation, equality, mental health, and a whole host of other really cool areas. Um, She's also an amazing sketchnoter, so definitely get in touch with her if you're keen to learn more about this. She actually inspired the uh, redesign of my logo, so was a lady of many talents. Um, we're going to have Liz on the podcast again in a few weeks' time, so I won't say too much about her now, um, but she's very kindly given up her precious time to be the guest host. I'm really grateful to her and looking forward to the conversation. So by way of warming both of us up today and what will become a regular feature on the podcast, we've got a question for us both to answer. Um, so I'm going to let Liz go first, and then I'll let her take over the podcast after that. So Liz, if you could go on an adventure anywhere in the world, where would you go? Who would you go with? And what would you do? Oh, great question. Okay, so I'm I'm an Aussie. If anyone who doesn't know me, I'm Australian. Been living in the UK for over twenty years now, and uh, I've got quite a few on my list. I'd love, for example, to walk the Great Wall of China. But I think my highest priority at the moment, if I could go on an adventure anywhere in the world, is that I would go to the Galapagos Islands. And I would take my lovely other half husband, who is an ecologist and loves all things nature. He's a real um, avid bird watcher. And I think it would be great to take him and my nine-year-old's um, to go and see things and, and wonder at this fantastic place that I think, you know, to say it in 10 or 15 years, might not have tourism anymore. So maybe capture that opportunity and go in the next few years. I'd, I'd love to do that. That'd be great. How about, how about you, Doug? Where would you love to go on an adventure anywhere in the world and who would you take with you? Well, I've given this quite a lot of thought, actually. I, I think I'd have a UK one and I'd have an overseas one recognising we might not be able to travel as freely as we have in recent years. Um, UK one, uh, I would go to Sky and I would do the Cool and Ridge in a day. That's like a, a bit of an ambition of mine. Uh, and I would take a guide with me, actually. That's who I'd go with because uh, it's very dangerous and it's route finding is difficult, finding water is difficult and stuff. And I just think I would enjoy it more if I uh, had somebody who knew what they were doing with me. Um, if I got familiar with it, I'd love to take my best mate Will with me. I think that would just be an absolute riot. Um, but that's where I'd go. It's just an amazing place. If I was to go abroad, though, be torn between going to Patagonia uh, or going to Nepal. But I think if it was me, I'd go to Nepal and I would take my wife and um, possibly the children when they're older, um, 
just have this real fascination with this amazing mountainous country and yeah just ex excited to explore it and see what it's all about really rather than just seeing it I guess through videos and online and stuff so yeah that's what I would do. I love Nepal is on my list as well Doug uh, for probably very similar reasons I'd love to do a bit of walking there etc and just immerse myself in the culture I have a bit of an affinity with that culture growing up in Australia some of my friends um came from Nepal their, their parents came from Nepal so yeah I love that and Nepal be great um I think we most we, we all tend to have maybe um more than one place we'd love to go on adventure to and we've both referenced how making those kind of journeys would have lots of different meanings for us and, I, and I'm interested um Doug in sort of sh you sharing with people how you got into what you do now into your journey um into sport so I wondered if you could share how you got into what you do now yeah I mean it was a sport. yeah a fairly um circuitous route I often describe to what I do now professionally and, and personally I mean in terms of sport I, I was I was never um particularly good at any sport if I'm honest I'm a generalist in my work and I'm a generalist in sports um but I started out like most kids running around climbing trees and um playing I guess ball sports and stuff but uh, I suppose for me it started with cross-country running which is I suppose the simplest and purest of all sports which is just running around fields and I suppose I had some natural ability being um quite slender of build and um also having an older brother who I had to run after who's quite a lot bigger than me. So that was an advantage. And then, yeah, I guess um, cross-country running kind of went with me for a number of years through school. And then that turned into distance running at university. So running half marathons, which I really enjoyed. Uh, and then eventually um, a friend at university said, well, why don't you try rowing? You kind of know how to be an athlete. Um, you know, I'd, I'd played hockey and rugby at school. Like I really enjoyed hockey. And then I did a bit of climbing as well. So I was kind of quite a good all-round athlete, I suppose. So I did a bit of rowing. Absolutely loved that. Uh, rode to a reasonable level and then was forced to retire for medical reasons. So I then had to stop rowing in my quite early 20s. And then I suppose I started all over again. Like you, just, when you're a kid, you sort of sample again and specialise again and invest again. So I then started uh, cycling, started riding and racing a bit on the road. Um, before eventually moving into triathlon, uh, where I was really suited. So generalist by profession, generalist by sport as well. I was good at a sport where you had to be quite good at three things. Um, I loved it. And uh, I mean, I didn't race at a particularly high level, but I qualified to represent Great Britain as an age group athlete. So I represented Great Britain at two European championships and one world championships. And then we had a little boy and training and racing went on the back burner. Um, so I sort of stopped at that point and I'm now just actively trying to get outside lots and mountain bike a bit, but doing a lot more climbing than I was. So climbing is a real passion of mine and I suppose that's probably the main thing that I do at the moment. And as part of my day job in canoeing, I occasionally get to go paddling or occasionally have to go paddling to watch the coaches. Um, so doing a bit of that as well. So that's probably been my journey into sport as a participant, I guess. That's quite a long, varied history of your sporting journey so far. I can imagine where you might go in the future. Um, have you always um, coached alongside being a participant? What was your journey into coaching and coach development, Doug? Yeah, so the forced retirement from rowing, I suppose, was a catalyst for me beginning to do a lot more coaching. Um, so that's been over 10 years now that I started coaching just at St Andrew Boat Club in Edinburgh initially coaching adult novices and then some 
um, some talent transfer athletes at Edinburgh University, so people who've been elite athletes in another, another sport transferring over to rowing. And then um, I suppose my real passion has been coaching young people, so coaching the juniors, and that's been nearly 10 years as well. And I suppose I had that lovely road to Damascus moment one night after my first month when I came home and said to my wife, this is what I need to do. I'm, I'm meant to coach young people. This is what I love. This is what I'm passionate about. Um, and I suppose, so that's where it all started for me. And I've been coaching ever since. And I, I can't really imagine a world where I, I don't go along once a week and try and coach young people and uh, help them to progress. So yeah, that, that's kind of where it all started for me. I um, I also started in youth coaching, coaching young people, mostly in outdoor ed, actually, in Australia. And I've got fond memories of how coaching young people really challenged me to think differently about my coaching. Can you can you think of any uh, times when you've been coaching when the young people have inspired you to do something different? Um, I'd like to say every week, actually. I, I sometimes describe my coaching environment as like my lab where I try out ideas and things that I'm reading about that I then use in my day job. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I suppose I've learned... I think they probably taught me more than I've ever taught them, to be honest. Um, and certainly over that time, my philosophy in terms of working uh, as, a, as a coach in that environment is that this is about using sport as a medium through which to develop young people and also some fast rowers rather than the other way around. And, and that, that to me is endlessly fascinating because you've got this young person who's developing and growing, has got all these new ideas uh, and you're kind of this, um, you're not a teacher, but you are, I suppose, a significant adult in their life and you've got this really great opportunity to support them and listen to them and learn from them. Um, so, yeah, I just I find it endlessly fascinating. Um, and I generally work with sort of 14 to 18-year-olds or 15 to 18-year-olds, that sort of age group. And I just, yeah, I just find them fascinating, always have. Yeah, I, I love working with that age group too. They're, they're great. Um, and one of the things that I know they um, regularly used to teach me with stuff around technology. So how how have you been using technology over lockdown, Doug, to share what you do, do more of what you do, improve what you do? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't mind admitting that although I'm, I'm not that old, uh, I am yeah, I'm not technophobic at all. I can use tech quite well, but I've, I'm still uh, I really like that face to face contact. So it's been a bit of a struggle. In terms of the athletes that I've been coaching, we've been doing a, um, a weekly session at the same time because I felt like the routine was really important for them. They needed that at this time on this day of the week. We normally meet, let's meet online. And I did this sort of um, musically themed um, S&C conditioning session from my house um, to them at the same time on the same day of the week. So that, that was really fun, uh, just creating stuff that we could do with music, um, you know, there's whole bunch of challenges you can do uh, with squats and press-ups and all sorts of things we did that and then obviously in the last few weeks we've been able to get back to coaching in the real world which which has been lovely so yeah a bit of that and then obviously with the coaches that I work with in, in my day job um yeah just doing some online stuff but for me it is um in addition to face-to-face -face rather than in place of definitely do you think um restrictions from the past couple of months will change coaching generally what what good practice do you think we should take moving forward as coach educators i don't know it's, it's, it's really interesting uh, i definitely think that a lot of the things we previously thought we had to do online or we had to do in person rather we can now do online 
but I suppose what's been really nice is how much more people are like really enjoying the face-to-face contact and really privileging that and like seeing how important that is. So I think there's a lot of stuff we can do in terms of connecting each other and, and maybe bringing together groups to, more easily than you can in person. But but certainly from my experience has been that working in the real world, there's no real substitute for that. A lot of the work that I do, um, although we can do things like coding behavior and so on, we're also interested in what does it feel like in that session? And that's the one thing that you can just never really do online. Yeah, it's hard. It doesn't always transfer across, does it? There's all the little subtleties of being human that are harder to pick up on over a video call or a, a social media message or whatever platform you might be using. Totally agree with that. Uh, thanks. Thanks for that, Doug. I'm really curious as to unpicking a little bit of your the past or, or your, your journey as a that's led you to Lacuna Learning. And maybe some of the lessons that you've had over the past, is it 10 years now? Coming up to 10 years. So I wondered um, what advice you might give to other young coaches or coach developers based on your experiences of the past decade or so. Yeah, God, right. Summarize the last 10 years in, in two minutes, would you, Doug? That's not going to be easy, right? <laughs> um, I mean, it was a fairly circuitous route into sport and it was an extremely circuitous route into doing what I do now. Um, I intended to join the Royal Air Force as a, as a pilot when I left university. I'd been flying at university and then the same medical condition that stopped me rowing also stopped me joining the Air Force. So that then ended my career plans. Um, and I suppose I'm um, I'm deeply influenced by the, the, the work of uh, the wonderful Tim Minchin, who, uh, if you haven't seen his uh, acceptance speech for his Doctor of Letters at UWE, I suggest you YouTube it. And he talks about the passionate pursuit of short-term goals if you get too focused on the long-term things, you miss the shiny things off to the side. And that has certainly been my experience over the last 10 years. So that would be one piece of advice is look out for the shiny things that might be really, really valuable. So I I mean, I went to university and then went to do a master's where I thought, oh, great, I'm going to become a sports psych. And I started out in, in that way and that's where the business was originally branded. And then as time went by and I had to get a real job in the real world and so on, I then found myself... I suppose evolving my practice based on who was in front of me. And I, I suppose it, it was a transition from a psych with an interest in coach development to a coach developer with an interest in psych. And that's probably more of where I am now. I found myself, I suppose, doing what I initially called sports psych for coaches and what I would now recognize as really just being mentoring, I think. And then that evolved with some roles that I did and different people that I got in contact with to, to coach mentoring and to coach developer practice, which is kind of what I do now. So uh, I've been very fortunate to work with over 20 different sports over that time. So I've had this really broad range of experiences. Um, and yeah, so I suppose um, look out for the shiny things um, and I suppose not be too fixed on the direction you're going in. There's a lovely quote um, from Douglas Adams that I like, which is that uh, I may not have gone where I intended to go, but I think I've ended up where I needed to be. And that would probably be a pretty good summary of, of my last 10 years. Oh, great summary. There's some Nice little takeaways there for people. Thanks, Doug. I'm interested in what you're looking forward to doing next. So you've had a really good previous decade. We're at um, the start of a new decade in in 2020. So what do you see happening in the the next, or what do you love to happen or see happen um, with your work in the next decade? So what, what will we be talking about in 2030, Doug? 
God. That sounds like a sort of question you ask a really clever panel of people at a conference, isn't it? <laughs> and they all have these wonderful, amazing like answers, and I don't really have one. Because I suppose I yeah, really endorse this passionate pursuit of short-term stuff, really. And for me, I just love working with people. I love being on the front line. I don't have any aspirations to, to be a director or anything clever. I just love being on the front line with 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 young people and I love being the front line with coaches I love working with performance coaches um, in, in particular just find them fascinating um, how they come to know what they know and why they believe what they believe that to me is just endlessly fascinating so I hope in 10 years time I'm still on the front line um, I hope I'm still working with people trying to help people get better whatever they're doing I hope I'm still getting outside um, that's definitely one of the things that I struggled with in lockdown and I'm sure lots of people struggled with is uh, you know, I spend a lot of time in places that are generally quite cold and wet or sometimes snowy and sometimes at altitude. But uh, yeah, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I can think of anything better than sitting on a riverbank in the dark in the rain, wondering why coaches doing what they're doing and interested in a conversation about that. But I am aware that is not everybody's idea of a good time. Um, so I really hope that in 10 years time, I'm still getting out in the real world with real people doing that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm just... Yeah, I don't know if I've got a, like a vision of what that looks like, but certainly if it's fulfilling those kind of things, if I'm still adding value, if I'm still learning and I still enjoy the people that I'm working with, then I, th- I think that would be a pretty good place to be in 10 years' time. It's nice. It feels a long way off, but I'm sure it'll be here sooner than we think it will be. <laughs> um, thanks so much, Doug. It's been great chatting with you on the on the podcast today, having a conversation. My kind of key sense of what we've been talking about is that everyone has a different journey um and you've obviously highlighted how um you have taken in your stride um the changes the ups and the downs the you know the little boulders that fall in the way the rivers <laughs> we've got to jump across the, i don't know the climbing walls we've got to yeah. attach ourselves to the fact that we take people um on our journey with us and for, for parts of our journey we'll, we'll focus on different people um so it's really lovely to hear um what you've been doing what you look forward to what you're looking forward to um and i'm really keen to see where this podcast goes and and where it might be so thanks for having me on as your host today doug i'm going to hand it back to you now though back to your own podcast oh thanks liz yeah i am i suppose that's the other thing maybe i hope i'm still doing in 10 years time this is obviously the beginning of some podcasting but uh, i really enjoyed I'm hosting uh, the podcast for the Scottish Canoe Association in my day job. And I enjoyed it so much listening to these really cool people that I got inspired to to do my own. So maybe in 10 years time, I'm still getting cool people on and asking them questions and listening to their stories. Maybe that's for 10 years time. Everyone, thank you very much for listening in. If indeed you still are listening in, Um, there will be more to come. Uh, So kind of watch this space. They'll come out on a regular interval, hopefully. Um, as as and when work allows me to do that. So please keep an eye out for future podcasts. Um, hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss out. And obviously at the moment, please everyone stay safe and thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.